And in our first week, we looked at a four pages of outlines of showing us who the Holy Spirit is and that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force, but he's a person. A person is one who thinks, they feel, and they decide for themselves. And then at some point, Jesus said, I'm going to leave you now, but I'm going to send another to come along and help you. That word another was another of the same kind, saying I'm sending another person to you to come and be your guide, to be with you, because I stuck myself to a geographical location, but the Holy Spirit that comes to be with you is not confined to a particular area. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. So I am sending the Holy Spirit to you to be with you, and He is a person. In week two, we looked at the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we talked on when you're full of the Spirit of God, there is a fire that is lit on the inside of you. And when there is a fire on the inside of you, everyone who comes in contact with you will begin to feel the heat. They'll begin to feel the burn of what the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And if you don't have that fire on the inside of you, we talked how to get it. You've got to be obedient to the leading of the Spirit. And number two, you've got to be in unity with one another. Dad talked about it this morning in prayer. You've got to have a love for the people of God if God wants to use you the way that you want to be used. Let me flip that. If you want to be used the way that God wants to use you, you've got to have a love for the people. And when you have a love for the people, there's a unity in the body. There's a, a, a cohesion in the body of Christ. And when the fire of God is in you, there is something in you that wants more in your walk with God. If there is the fire of God in you, there is something in you that wants more of the, the power of the Spirit in your walk with God. And we finished up that message saying that there is, um, there, there is uh, 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 that the Holy Spirit is a person. And then we came back and said that the, the person has a presence and that presence is with you if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And today I want to go with the, the P theme. Did you get the theme? Okay. Uh, talk about the proof of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if, if I were to ask you, what were the last words of Jesus? A lot of people would say, go and make disciples. It's what he said right before the cross. The Great Commission. And that wouldn't actually be correct because Jesus went to heaven or, or he died and rose again and then he came back to earth and spent time with a few people and there he said something that contradicted the mission statement of go. Let's look in your outline and this is not your normal outline but there were so many verses I changed it up. So these are all just Bible verses, nothing to fill in, just a bunch of Bible verses. Let's look at Luke 24. It says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Right before the cross, he says, go and make disciples. And then we all understand the last words of somebody are often the most important words they're, they're, they're speaking. This is the thing they want you to know. And Jesus says, wait. Why does he say wait? Look at Acts 1. And while staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, wait. wait 
for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse <clears throat> Uh, 9, 10, and 11 talks about his descension back up into heaven. The last words of Jesus were not go. The last words of Jesus were wait till, until you receive power. If you go without the power, nothing will happen. Let me clarify this. Jesus was telling them to wait for the Holy Spirit. Today, we don't have to wait. The Holy Spirit is already here for us. He is already moving in us. But here's where we get mixed up. We think that once we get saved, we can live the victorious Christian life. We can, uh, and, and all these great things are going to happen. And we can to a certain extent. But there's more available to us. The more we wait on the Holy Spirit, the more there is available to our spiritual lives. When we just say, God, I'm going to do what I want to do and go do our thing. We forget that we are not waiting on the Holy Spirit. And when we are not waiting on the Holy Spirit, we are not continually being filled and baptized with the power and the anointing of the Spirit. We have to spend time waiting on Him. Does that make sense? There are actually three baptisms that we have as a Christian. The first would be salvation. We give our lives to Jesus. The second would be the water baptism. And the third is the spirit baptism. I want to show you this in the New Testament, but also something that's really cool in the Old Testament. But let's look at the New Testament first. Acts 8 in your outline about halfway down. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, verse 6, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said to Philip or by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who believed him or who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city, verse 12. But when they believed... Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. The word believe there represents salvation. Then they got baptized in water. And then a few verses later, look down at verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Notice they believed in the first, they got baptized in the second verse, and then verse uh, 14, what happened? They received. They got baptized in the Spirit. Let me clarify something. You don't have to be baptized in the Spirit to get to heaven. When you give your life to Jesus, that is the key to unlock the door of heaven into your life. But if you want the power of God in your life, there needs to be a Spirit baptism that is a part of your daily Christian life. Let's look at Acts. I told you a lot of verses. Let's look at Acts chapter 8, verse 16, uh, 16, 17. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they what? Laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is part of the normal Christian life. Being filled with the Spirit is as normal as getting saved. Acts 19. Let's look at it. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed away through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we have the greatest apostle that's ever lived, and he asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit? If there was not a spirit to receive, do you think he would have ever asked that question? No, he would have have never asked that question. Paul knows there was more to the Christian life. Now, let's look at Acts 19. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul is checking out the church that they were involved in. He is shocked that these people have never been that have ne- that these people have been saved and not heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And since they had not heard about the baptism, now he was doing a little recon work and he was wondering if they were even in the right church. You may have been raised in a church where you never heard about the Holy Spirit. Paul would have been looking at your church saying, why are you not teaching about the Holy Spirit? This is a normal part of the Christian life. And I think some of you who are watching online or some of you in here today, you weren't really sure about the Holy Spirit because you've been raised in a church that didn't teach. Here we just read in Acts chapter 19, the church had been established for dozens of years already. And Paul is saying, how come you haven't heard about the Holy Spirit? That isn't right. There are a lot of churches out there that don't teach about the Holy Spirit. And Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, which is, by the way, a third more than any of us wrote, has said, why are you not filled with the Holy Spirit? This is who we are as believers. This is a normal part of the Christian life. And then he asked them, what church were you a part of? Hmm. Acts 19, top of the second page. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. Verse five. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Here is the the trifecta that we're we're going to spend the remainder of today looking at. They got saved, they got water baptized, and they got baptized in the Spirit. There is salvation, there is water, there is Spirit. There is salvation, there is... And there is... There is salvation, there is... And there is... This is the major theme of the Bible all throughout when you are made aware of it. Have you ever been... um, looking for a new vehicle. Let's say you're looking for a white Chevy truck. All of a sudden, when you start looking for that white Chevy truck, Derek, what do you see? White Chevy trucks all over the place. You weren't aware of them before until you begin to make aware of the attention of it. That is what is known as the frequency illusion, or the more uh, specific term is the Badar Minhoff phenomenon. And it happens once you are made aware of one thing, you begin to find that one thing in other instances. Okay? So there are many divine instances in the Bible, and the more you are aware of one thing, the more you begin to see that one thing all throughout the Bible. It's that phenomenon that takes place. One scholar said, and and this is what we kind of learned in Hebrew class, or I didn't actually take that class, but that's what they told us in, in college, the Hebrew class, that there are seven actual levels of the Bible. 
Whenever you read it in Greek and Hebrew, we are only reading at level one, but it goes down six further areas of understanding. So to be able to look at the Bible and the significance of it, to say there was people 7,000 or 5,000 years ago and 3,000 years later, all writing it, all come together with the same cohesion, there has to be an intelligent design that put all of this together because the vastness of it is so great that seven levels, it all comes together. So whenever you put those seven levels together, we have something where we see salvation, we see water, and we see spirit. Let's say it again. There's John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Notice the word see. I put it in bold. He can't see. If you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Luke 17. you got to follow close on this. For behold, the kingdom of God is... He doesn't say the kingdom of heaven. He says the kingdom of God. Where is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? We just read it in Luke 17. The kingdom of God is in you. The word kingdom comes from two words. One, king. I think you all know what that is. Dumb, which means dominion. Not D-U-M-B, D-O-M. Dumb. Okay. Listen to me. When he writes that the kingdom of God is within you, what he is saying is the kingdom of God is in you where you have allowed the king to have dominion. I don't think you got that. When, when you were born again, there are areas in your life that you seem to constantly fail in. Why? Because the kingdom of God that is in you, you have not given that place the kingdom of God where it has dominion over that area. If the kingdom of God is in you and there are things in your life that keep tripping you up, the kingdom of God has not been given resident and president in that area of your life. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll slide by. I was going to come at you, but again, but I will slide by. If you, when you were born again, John 3, 3 says that you see the kingdom. And then it says in verse 4, look at, follow along with me, John 3, 4. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5, Jesus said, truly I answer, I say to you, unless one is born of and uh, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Where's the kingdom of God? Uh-oh, what's this going to mean? That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you are born again, you can see the kingdom of God. We just read that. If you are born of water and spirit, you can enter the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to enter the kingdom of God? That is not your salvation. That is not the kingdom of heaven. Many denominations will teach it this way and say, you have to be baptized to get to heaven. And that's not true. That's the kingdom of heaven. What he is saying here is the kingdom of God. That the, the kingdom of God is within you. Unless you are born of water and of spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God within you. You can still go to heaven. That is not saying that you are not saved. It is saying that unless you are baptized in water and spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God within you, which gives you access to the spirit-filled lifestyle. 
You allow the kingdom of God to have dominion in every area of your life. The kingdom of God is within you. Ask yourself this question. Is the kingdom of God operating with dominion in every area of my life? In the New Testament, we see salvation, we see water, and we see spirit. And a lot of people have this idea that the Holy Spirit wasn't prevalent in the Old Testament. This is when I was saying a while ago, there's seven layers of the Bible. There's different things to understand. I want to take you to a second or third level of the Bible for you to understand that the Holy Spirit was all throughout the Old Testament. And I want to give you this example. This is, this is fun. Oh, I love this. You guys doing all right? You hanging in there? You following me so far? All right, Genesis 12 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Follow me. This is a type of salvation. The Bible says that we will be taken to a land that I will show you. How is that a type of salvation? Here, here's what you need to understand. Abram was a heathen. God called Abram to separate from who he was, separation from the old self. What's that remind you of? Salvation. Salvation. Separating from your old self. Genesis 15. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of Euphrates. This is a type of baptism. This represents water baptism. Let me show you how. When God would make a covenant, they would take an animal and they would cut it in half and they would walk through the blood and they would come back together. Uh, um, Adrian, come here. Let me show this. I'm going to give an illustration. All right, you stand right here. Okay. Uh-oh. Stand, right, stand right here. Right. Okay. No, no, no. Right okay. to my side. Okay. okay. She's always trying to be in front of me. <laughs> All right. So when a covenant was made, they would take a, what kind of animal do you want? A cow? Cow. Because you guys beef are. Beef cow. A co- oh. Not a dairy cow. Not a dairy cow. Yeah, okay. We like dairy cows. Yeah. Kill the beef cow. Okay. They would take the cow and they would cut it in half. They would go, they would hold hands. And then here's what we're going to, we're going to walk up here and then come back into a little circle and come back to here. Okay. okay. This is us walking through. The, the cow that was just killed. Let go. Go the other way. And they would come back here and they would grab hands again. And a covenant was just made. So basically, the covenant took place when they would walk through the blood. That'll be significant later if you didn't just catch on. When they walk through the blood, they would come and it says no matter what path you would take to get back to this point, you and I would come back to this point and a covenant was made between us. Does it sound a little bit about like what happened with Jesus on the cross? You pass through some blood, you come, you live your life, you go and sin, you act like the way you want, but if you come back to this point, the covenant's still established for you. Go sit down. (laughs) 
God is going to make a covenant with Abram. Abram thinks that God is going to come down and together that they would walk through this sacrifice and that blood covenant would happen. But that's not what happened. (laughs) Abram goes to sleep. Abram is waiting for God to show up and God put Abram to sleep. And whenever he went to sleep, we read up in this verse 17, smoking fire and a burning torch show up. And they pass between the pieces. Follow me. We're getting to the good stuff. The smoking pot and the torch represent God and Jesus. God the Father made a covenant with God the Son and Abraham got in it by faith. Abram was asleep when the covenant was made. But because Abraham believed God in God, that it was accounted to him righteousness, he was to be saved. Let me show you why that's so important. On the cross, God uh, God the Father made a covenant with God the Son, and we believe that we get in by faith. Here is the great thing about a covenant. It cannot be broken. The covenant between God the Father and God the Son. If the covenant was between us and God, there is no way we would be able to withhold the covenant. We are not good enough. But a perfected Jesus and a perfected God made a covenant that you have the right to be in faith. So therefore, the covenant always comes back to this place. Maybe I didn't say it right. Because God made a covenant with His Son, they passed through the blood. We put our faith in who Jesus is. We get in on the covenant that was made by God. And Jesus and we now have access to the, what that covenant offers. Okay, so how does that represent baptism? <laughs> The cutting of the flesh. Romans 6 says that when we were baptized, there is a cutting of the flesh. Okay? So, I said all that. That that was kind of like a little bonus. The the cutting of the flesh, Romans 6 tells us that's a a form of baptism. And then there is another picture of baptism. And that's the cutting of, this is kind of a bonus to it, a cutting of the Red Sea. When God cut the Red Sea, 1 Corinthians says, when they passed through... They were baptized by water. Just to continue a little bit more, again, we're we're looking at the deeper meaning. If going through the Red Sea was the Israelites' form of baptism, what was their form of salvation? (laughs) This is getting good. This is getting good. Their form of salvation was the blood of the Lamb. Do you remember whenever the plagues came and they were told to take the blood of the lamb and smear it on the door and the angel of death would not take their young? So imagine there is a door right here. We're going to do it this way so you can all see it. (laughs) Okay. There's a door right here. This is what they would do. They would take the blood of the lamb, take the blood and smear it on the left side. They would take the blood and smear it on the right side. And then it said they would have to take enough blood to smear it on top and for it to drip down. 
What's that a picture of? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Dad said, the cross. Their salvation came by the blood of the Lamb. Who, where does our salvation come? How were they saved? By the cross. Here we are in Exodus of the Old Testament, and they are already prophesying how 3,000, how many, how many years is that? Later, Jesus comes and saves us the blood of the Lamb. What was Jesus known as? The Lamb. His sacrifice, His blood, on the form of a... Do you not get that? Or am I the only one that's like, wow, he is saving the Israelites by the same form that he's saving us 5,000 years later. (laughs) The Israelites were saved by the blood of the lamb in the form of a cross. I'm going to take it one step further. They were saved by the blood of the lamb. They were baptized by the cutting of the sea. Then what happened to them? The Israelites were guided by what? A pillar of fire and a cloud by day. Pillar of fire is God all-consuming. The cloud represents the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, so they are saved by the blood of the Lamb. They are baptized by the cutting of the sea. They are guided by the Holy Spirit. I didn't say filled. They are guided. What's the Holy Spirit come to do at salvation? He's in you. He guides you. But you're not filled. You're not baptized with the Holy Spirit yet. (laughs) It's not until you are filled with the Holy Spirit that power comes. Let's look at your notes. Genesis 17, 5, third from the end. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be called Abraham. Notice God added one letter to his name that was not there. What was that one letter? I even put it in bold so you guys can't mess that up. H. You know what H in Hebrew is? It's the word ruah. Do you know what the word ruah is in Hebrew? Spirit. Breath. In order to pronounce an H, you have to let out a breath. <laughs> you're not getting it. I see the heads nodding, but you're not, we're not there yet. The breath of God is the Spirit of God. God breathed into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. God said, Abram, you will no longer be called Abram. You will be called Abraham. God adds the Spirit to it. Abraham is filled with the Spirit of God. Now let's look at one more. Genesis 17, 5. God said to Abraham, Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but you shall call her name what? Sarah. The breath of the Spirit now is filled. Abraham is now filled with the anointing, with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can kind of say it this way. (laughs) He took the I out of Sarah. I want this. I want that. I want this. I got to do this. And he put the breath of the Spirit there and said, Holy Spirit, what do you want? How do you operate? How are we going to live this way? How are we going to fall under your power? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Sorry, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> when we look at the Old Testament, the Israelites are saved by the blood of the Lamb. They are baptized by the cutting of the sea. They are guided by the Spirit. And then God says, I'm going to fill you with the breath of my power. Salvation, water, one more place I want to look at, and we're going to close this sucker down. Ezekiel 16.9 says in your notes, Then I bathed you with and washed off your and you and from you and anointed you with blood, salvation, water, baptism, oil, spirit. The proof of the Holy Spirit as mom comes up to the piano is in the Old and New Testament. The Spirit is found from Genesis to Revelations and is available for you and I today. Salvation, water, Spirit. You are saved through the blood of the cross, the blood of the Lamb, the Israelites were saved by the blood of the lamb that they sacrificed and they put on the form of a cross. They are baptized. We know immersion, baptism. They went through the Red Sea. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us that we're baptized in the Spirit to live the greatest victorious Christian life. And God said, you're no longer Abram but you're Abraham, full of the Spirit. I want to be full of the Spirit. Don't you? Jesus, draw me close. Closer, Lord, to you.
you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com, to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.